You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. It starts with remembering what God has done. And then when I remember it, I meditate on it. I chew on it. I think about it. I regurgitate it. I digest it. And then I talk about it in the sanctuary. And that's what changes everything. That's what turns his depression and despair into hope. The Psalms are perhaps some of the greatest treasures in Scripture that serve to re-encourage, uplift, and fortify us in our faith. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, one of the best ways we can do this is by memorizing, meditating on, and sharing passages of Scripture. When's the last time you handled God's Word in such a way? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. as we jump right into Genesis chapter 50 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He goes into another chamber... And he's wailing so loud, certainly his brothers heard him. So he tries to dry his eyes, perhaps unsuccessfully. He goes back into the chamber where his brothers are, and he reveals his identity to them. It's me. And (laughs) they become so fearful, like, uh uh-oh. In fact, it's interesting, on the way back, the first time, I think it's Judah, says something to the effect of what's just happened to us. We have to go back and get Benjamin, explain this to dad. What's happened to us is God punishing us for what we did to Joseph. So now, can you imagine what was going through their minds when the most powerful man in the world is the brother that they did this to, that they thought was dead. And they're so fearful, like, okay, he, all he, he doesn't even have to say a word. He snaps his fingers, it's off with their heads, and they knew it. That's how powerful he was. And what does he say? Genesis fifty twenty, my favorite verse in all the Bible, <laughs> along with all the other favorite verses in all the Bible. No, but this one in particular. But God, this is the but God verse of but God verses in the Bible. He says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, what you did to me, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good for the salvation of many this day. In other words, God made the evil that you did praise Him, bring glory to Him. That's making the wrath of man, the evil of man, to praise and glorify God. And that's what this psalm is all about. Let me say it this way. 
It doesn't matter how bad it is, it cannot and will not change how good God is. You know, we flippantly, I'm sorry to say it that way, we flippantly quote Romans 8.28, talk about cliché. We've almost, how do I say it, we've almost gutted out the power of this promise, because we're, we're so familiar with it. For we know that God works all things together for the good. To them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Of course, verse 29 explains and defines what that purpose is. It's to make us more like Christ. That's His purpose. Make us more like Jesus. That's His purpose. But here's the thing. It may be evil, it may be bad, it may be unbearable, but God, as only He can, will make it to praise Him. In the end, it will always be for His glory and your good. Period. Yeah, but this is really bad. This is really, really bad. Well, you know what this psalm was written about? It was written about that time when the Assyrian army had encamped around Jerusalem, and it meant certain death. In fact, whenever the mighty Assyrian army would besiege a city, they would just surrender. Some would just commit suicide in order to not be in the hands of the Assyrians, who were evil through and through, merciless beyond description. They would impale, skin alive, those whom they had captured. It was just evil what they would do. And here they are now, surrounded around Jerusalem. God! (laughs) Uh, No, 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 just, I'll make the evil of the Assyrians to praise me. Watch me now. You want to know how? We talked about this earlier in the Psalms. It's in 2 Kings 19.35. Picture the scene. The Assyrians have encamped around Jerusalem. It's just a matter of time before they capture them and do unthinkable things to them. And God just says, no, 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 no. I'm going to make the evil of man to praise me. You know how I'm going to do it? Oh, it's going to be really cool. 2 Kings 19.35. Watch this. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out. It's not even, we don't even know the name of the angel. It's not Gabriel. It's not Michael. It's, it's, not, it's like this trainee, this intern, no-name angel, just kind of like, hey, you, what's your name? Let me see your name tag. You get over here. We're going to have you go down and take care of this problem, because see, there are 185,000 Assyrians surrounding Jerusalem. I just need one, one angel, just one. So on a certain night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. He just killed them, 185,000. And then when the people arose early in the morning, they, they slept through this whole thing. 
The Assyrians have surrounded now the city, and they wake up, they arise early in the morning, and (laughs) there were the corpses all dead. I make the wrath, the evil of man to praise me. Yeah, they meant it for evil, but God, He meant it for good. Their good and His glory. G. Campbell Morgan said it this way, So perfect is His government that by judgment He compels evil to serve His purpose, making the wrath of men to praise Him. Psalm 77. This is to the chief musician. Again, it's a psalm of Asaph. It's to Jeduthun, verse 1. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and He gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. I want you to, as I read this, as you follow along, I want you to use your God-given imagination and just kind of picture what Asaph is going through again here. His hands stretch out at night without ceasing means that he is just praying, lifting up his hands, lifting up his voice, crying out to the Lord all night long. My soul refused to be comforted. You know how that is sometimes? Where nothing calms you. Nothing comforts you. It's like your soul is rejecting any consolation, any comfort. Verse 3, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. You, verse 4, hold my eyelids open. (laughs) This kind of has the idea of, you're not going to let me sleep. You know, we talk about having toothpicks in your eyes to keep them open. It's like God saying, I'm going to keep your eyes open, and you're not going to sleep. No rest is going to come to your eyes. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Have you ever been so vexed that there are just no words, only moans? I, verse 5, have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance, verse 6, my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? Has His promise failed forevermore? Has God, verse 9, forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. Wow. And I said, verse 10, We're going to turn another corner here, thankfully. Oh my goodness, could you imagine the whole psalm like this? And I said, this is my anguish, but, this is a very important word here, it's a but God moment. He says, but, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, verse 13, O God, is in the sanctuary. 
Who is so great a God as our God? Is this the same guy that started off the psalm saying things, writing things like, God, have you completely forgotten me? (laughs) Are you so angry with me that you've shut up your mercy and I'll never know your mercy again? And now he's saying, but, kind of coming to his senses, I will remember, I will remember, I will remember, I will meditate. I want to talk about that. Different than just remembering. And not only will I meditate, I will communicate. What? Yeah, he says, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. And then he says, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You, verse 14, are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. We just talked about him, Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. What a picturesque description. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What's going on here? What in the world is this psalm about? Well, if you just hang in there with me for a couple minutes, I want to share with you some thoughts about what I believe is a man who is on the brink of a nervous breakdown. Is it okay if I say that? You'll forgive me. I mean, he is, <laughs> he's about to lose his mind here. That's in verses 1 through 9. He's about to snap. And then verse 10, he goes, Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. It's almost like he says to himself, what are you doing? What are you saying? It's not, has God forgotten you? It's have you forgotten God and what He's able to do? Have you forgotten what He did for Joseph and Jacob with Moses and Aaron? Have you forgotten? Don't you remember so he, he comes to his senses in verse 10, and he remembers what God had done in the past. And not only does he recall the goodness and the faithfulness of God, but he meditates on it. Again, stay with me on this. This carries with it the idea of a cow chewing its cud. You'll forgive the, the graphic illustration here, but this is what it means to meditate on Scripture. The cow has, I guess, something like six stomachs. Can you imagine? And so it it chews and then swallows and then regurgitates and chews and gets more out of it, then swallows it and keeps going back and forth and back and forth. That's what this means, to meditate on the Word of God, to digest it, to chew on it, to let it assimilate and and I'm sorry, regurgitate it 
and chew on it some more. Really meditate on this and really digest this. So in other words, it starts with remembering what God has done. And then when I remember it, I meditate on it. I chew on it. I think about it. I regurgitate it. I digest it. And then I talk about it in the sanctuary. And that's what changes everything. That's what turns his depression and despair into hope. I'll bring the Bible study to a close, but if you'll just indulge me for just a bit longer, I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't at least mention this. And I want to close with a couple of quotes that have been very um, helpful to me in my own life. But it's been my experience, and it's my belief, that the enemy seeks to attack the mind in this way. You know, our minds are fallen, right? We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind. This is the renewing of our minds. And Satan knows that the battleground's in the mind. And sadly, the enemy has been met with a measure of success in attacking the mind of God's people, putting thoughts in our minds, planting seeds of doubt, fear in our minds. And then we start meditating on that, digesting it. And it's not long before we plummet into this bottomless pit of despair. What's going to get us out of that pit of depression, that pit of discouragement, that pit of despair? It's remembering and meditating and communicating the goodness of God. And we're the first ones that need to (laughs) hear that. The first quote is from Oswald Chambers. Actually, this comes from his commentary on the book of Job, and it's titled, Baffled to Fight Better. Interesting title. Listen to what he says. Satan's aim is to make a man believe that God is cruel and that things are all wrong. But when a man strikes deepest in agony and turns deliberately to the God manifested in Jesus Christ, he will find him to be the answer to all of his problems. In other words, Satan's chief goal is to put these thoughts in our minds that God is not fair, God is not just. It certainly could be said, I would argue, that this is what happened to Asaph in the Psalms that we've studied tonight. Where he's starting to question the goodness of God, almost implying the cruelty of God instead. Ah. Satan's got another markup on the board as a win, because that's his aim. By the way, nothing new under the sun. He started this in the garden, didn't he? With Eve? God's holding out on you. God's uh, unfair to you. He doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Because he knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be God. That was his whole aim. That was his chief goal. Here's the last quote, and then we'll close. It comes from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and it's from a, a book I have in my library. It's been a tremendous resource over the years. It's titled Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure. Listen to what he says. In the last analysis, the one and only cause of spiritual depression is the devil, the adversary of our souls. He can, listen, he can use our temperaments and our physical condition, and there is no end to the ways in which the devil produces spiritual depression. We must also bear him in mind, the devil's one object is to so depress God's people. Indeed, I can put it finally like this. The ultimate cause of all spiritual depression is unbelief. It's what one has called unbelieving believers. It is because we listen to the devil instead of listening to God. And dare I add, we believe the devil instead of believing God. We believe the lie of the devil, and we don't believe the truth that is God. We're unbelieving believers. We listen to the devil instead of listening to God, that we go down before him and fall before his attacks. That's what these psalms were basically about tonight. The attack of the enemy on the mind of man trying to get man to believe him, listen to him, and not listen to God, and not believe God. Because the lie of the devil is, God can't be trusted. God is not. If God were good, why would he be allowing this to happen to you? Or how about this, and we brought it up at the beginning. If God is so good, if God is so loving, then why does He allow evil to continue in the world? Oh, not for long. There's coming a day. He'll have the final word. His judgments are righteous. He is just, and He is fair, and He will have the final word, never will there be anyone in heaven that will say, huh, I don't know if that was right. No. Nor will there be anyone in hell, listen, who will ever say, I shouldn't be here. No. His judgments are just. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. 
If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.